Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge. If you're watching live, I'm sorry we are running a bit late. We are starting as we mean to go on in a chaotic, sweaty mess. Uh, this is EFA week, which is one of the busiest weeks of the year under normal conditions. And this being basically the first trade show since CES, and it being all remote and covered from home, it's all been a very odd sort of experience for us. Uh, sorry, I just had my own audio coming through my ears on like a 15 second delay, and that was <laughs> nightmarish. <laughs> anyway, sorry, E for week, you can see we're, we're all a mess. This has been a nightmare for everyone involved, but there have been quite a lot of announcements. Uh, some that we were expecting, some that came as a surprise, some companies we were expecting things from but have not delivered. Uh, we actually managed to begin the week with the final confirmed details of the Galaxy Z Fold 2, which Samsung decided to announce the day before its E for press conference which is the kind of play I think only Samsung could make to do an EFA press conference, but also do a pre-EFA press conference for one specific product, which does guarantee that there would be nothing of interest in the actual EFA press conference. Just to remind you, that is also the part two of Unpacked as well, which was the Note yeah. 20 Ultra launch from a couple of weeks back. So mm -hmm. yeah, really, really stringing it out right now, Samsung. Yeah, they've been dragging it out. So we're going to start off talking about the Z Fold 2, and then basically we're going to spill over into everything else this week. Uh, obviously, EFA is still ongoing right now. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. There is still one day of press conferences to go tomorrow, and technically there's one on Saturday as well, but not, not anything too exciting. So the stuff we don't know about yet is Honor and Realme both have uh, announcements scheduled for tomorrow. The Realme has had two separate big announcements in India already this week, so I kind of feel like they might have shot their load by now. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's a little bit more to go. And also one thing to flag is Huawei. Uh, they did have an EFA press conference. They didn't announce anything in their EFA press conference. That's because they're having a developer conference next week where we have been teased there might be some announcements. They have actually announced two things this week, but not in their EFA press conference. But they half announced them, saying that they'll give us the full details in the developer conference next week. You can see... This is a nightmare. Our brains are melting trying to keep track of all the events. We're going to do our best to rattle through everything kind of non-stop and just spit it all out into the ether. It's like instead uh, of being lost at the show in in, yeah. in real life, we're lost in a virtual world of, of conferences. I thought we might yeah. you know, avoid the experience, but no, no, they've managed to bring every aspect of ether back. Yeah, they've just made it a, a more immersive, fully sort of mental experience. Mm -hmm. Normally, you are physically lost in a cavernous trade show building surrounded by equally confused Germans. And now you're just sort of lost in the caverns of your own mind, trying to keep track of time zones and different events. And the fact that some events are EFA and some events aren't EFA. And some events are EFA this week, but other events are not EFA this week. Other events are not EFA next week, but they pre-announced the products this week during EFA, but not for EFA. <laughs> I've uh, no idea what you just said. Uh, I Me neither. It. A former colleague of mine, actually, for his first EFA, he wrote a an opinion piece um, writing EFA as if it was an MMORPG like World of Warcraft, mm -hmm. and it was it was a brilliant piece. And I feel like this year, perhaps more than most, it is more like that than ever before. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel the grind already. Mm. Uh, let's stop babbling on, or at least I should stop babbling on. Uh, Toddy, you Hello. were sort of primarily covering the Z Fold 2 mm. launch. So what is the deal? What has Samsung, what did Samsung announce this week that we didn't already know? <laughs> well, 
To that specific question, not a lot, because um, I think within like a day before or two days before, a, a Chinese YouTube channel that hasn't been around very long, um, they put out basically a full hands-on. They somehow got an off the production line or near retail ready, what looked like a pretty much finished article um, version of the Galaxy Z Fold 2 in Mystic Black. Um, and they covered everything from the specs to the camera setup to... Um, how the UI behaves um, to the kind of obviously improvements over the original Galaxy Z Fold, um, all of that. So it was, it was quite illuminating and probably stole a little bit of Samsung's thunder, I imagine. I'm, I'm sure angry words were said at the Korean HQ when that emerged online. Um, that said, uh, actually, I was going to say that said, one thing we didn't know was the price, but even that actually leaked thanks to Samsung themselves. Their UK site actually dropped um, the pricing a day or two, I think, ahead of time, and then quickly removed it again. So, yeah, there was really not a lot uh, left to see, um, but it was nice to see the phone unveiled in kind of a formal manner with all the kind of mm -hmm. pomp and circumstance that a new foldable like the Fold 2 kind of deserves. The conference was quite... I didn't watch it, but I heard the conference was quite slick. Yeah, quite so... One of, the, it, one of the best ones. We all tuned into the, the, <laughs> the Samsung EFA event they had the, the following day, and mm. the way it kind of moved around the cameras, like, it was like a virtual space you could move around. You can kind of click or whatever, just kind of animate and look around in 360 degrees. Uh, it was kind of like that. So they they 3D modeled, basically, what looked like a, a you know, a conventional press event space. So it was like an old kind of cool X factory workspace that they kind of decked out. And then over the, on the left, they'd like rendered like a bunch of chairs and a big pr presentation screen. And on the right, they had what they called the experience area and it had little booths and kiosks and you could literally just click around. And each time you jumped around, you could then look around you and then click buttons to watch videos on the phone or a specific feature of the phone. It was all very, very well done. It's probably the best virtual press launch or preview i think i've seen so far so to that you know hats off to samsung they, they didn't skimp on mm. the uh the effort in at least kind of giving the press a, a good experience despite not being able to see the phone in person or handle the device in person um so yeah it was cool it was a cool event event i mean i've got to say i, I know i've known about this before but i still much prefer when it's just a video on youtube and i can just watch it <laughs> it's a lot easier and i don't have to click around i have to worry about my browser breaking i don't <laughs> Yeah, it is a it lot was... easier. Um, and as for the phone, it's mostly what you would expect. Um, a spec bump over the Galaxy Fold. Um, I think the nicest improvements are really some of the design changes that they've made. Yeah. Um, it is uh, smaller in all dimensions except for height. And that is actually because the main screen on the inside has gone from 7.3, I think it is, to 7.6 inches. Um, it's kind of almost square. It's slightly off square. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's so it's a bigger internal screen. Um, they've also changed the camera setup. Uh, it's a triple 12 meg setup on the back, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a main and ultra wide and a telephoto um, on the inside and on the cover display, which is the kind of thin display that you see when the device is closed. It's two 10 meg front faces. Um, that's a big difference, especially on the inside where there used to be a kind of like cutout in the corner with multiple cameras. They've kind of just thrown that out. Um, Partly being, in, if you want a good quality selfie now, one of the improvements to the UI they've brought is the ability to use the main camera in selfie mode. So you open the fold fully, hold it up, and the external display is then your viewfinder. So you'll get using the main cameras on the back of the phone to get a selfie, which makes a lot more sense than having three cameras on the inside, three cameras on the outside. It just is a lot simpler, and it, it makes a lot more sense in terms of performance. So you have that flexibility now. Um, and also the external display, which is... 
probably the ugliest and worst part of the first gen fold has been completely reworked. It's now a 6.4 inch or something, 6.4 inch display now. It's a 25 by nine aspect ratio. So it's super thin and super tall, but it mm. does basically go to the edge of the kind of half of the outer face of the fold design. And it looks a million times better and actually is a lot more functional, I think, based on what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, that's what they had to do this time around, was make it so that when it's closed, you can use that cover display and have it be like an actual fully functional phone. Like that halfway house they were in before with this little display that only filled part of the phone and looked really ugly and was too small to be really usable. It's just, that was such a mess. I much prefer what they did on the Z Flip, where they just kind of acknowledged it and just put in a tiny one-inch screen that was just for notification icons and the time and kind of yeah. acknowledged yeah you're not using this while it's closed um, it needed to be smaller so it's just like for a little bit of information when it's shut or bigger like it is now so you yeah. could actually use it but it was just this weird like i've got a sort of phone from the early <laughs> 2000s <laughs> i mean the, the bezels the bezels were huge like it was oh, ridiculous yeah. and they, it, they also see, slimmed down yeah. the interior bezel as well i should say okay nice i didn't realize that yeah, I mean, it, it, I still can't believe the first fold got released with that exterior display, but I guess let's not rag too much on the phone that's a year old. But uh, It felt yeah, very I, work I, in progress though, didn't it? The first yeah, fold, even though exactly. it was a product you could buy, whereas this feels basically like the phone they should have launched, but the this feels like actually wasn't there, I guess. Yeah, this is the design they wanted to do last year yeah. and couldn't. It's the, it's the classic curse of the first gen. It's just, yeah. Yeah. you know, wait for the second one to see what it should be like. Exactly. Um this is expensive, though, right? I mean, I know we talked before, we were kind of hoping for a price drop relative to Gen 1, and that did not happen. Yeah, it's it's. A, I think it's a technically a teeny, tiny, tiny bit cheaper, but it also has half the internal storage. So right. I think the Z, the original Fold came with 512 gigabytes of storage. That was just, that was the only option, yeah. I think. Um, and that was kind of like, I think, £1,980, something around there. Yeah. Uh, this is £1,799, so it is okay. a bit cheaper, but you do get 256 gigs of storage. Um, but then in the US, it's 1999 right? It's, yeah, it's a $2,000. You know, just shy of the full two grand, yeah. um, which... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of a bit torn, because if you added up the price, you know, you got sort of three screens there. Mm. So you've yeah. sort of got three phones in one. So if you sort of added up the price of like I'm loving three, this logic. two, two, <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you, you're not duplicating. <laughs> obviously you've only got one of the other. It's still one phone, Chris. I want to make it's sure still... you understand that this is only one phone. <laughs> yeah, but if if it is gonna, let's say you do have a, a you know a, a phone and a tablet. If this does genuinely remove the need for a tablet as well you could factor totally. that in yeah no i mean you know obviously it's expensive but this thing must cost them a bomb to make i'm sure in terms of the margins they're probably squeezing their margins as tight as they can in terms of production costs and yeah i think if 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 this replaces two devices with one then you could begin to see that price making sense if you were always going to buy a flagship phones so you were always going to spend about a grand on your phone and then you maybe would have spent five six hundred pounds on a tablet uh this uh, is a bit more than both, but I would argue that the pricing on this is more. I don't want to say it's acceptable, but more understandable compared to the Note Twenty Ultra pricing. Yeah, 
For sure. Um, as a product, like because it's cutting edge, it's it's you know new tech that really you don't get a lot of right now, and it's hard to do. Like everyone's clearly shown, it's hard to do, including yeah. Samsung with the first fold. Um, yeah, I don't think it's surprising that it's the price that it is, and I don't think the people who would consider the fold legitimately, um, mm-hmm. they're either going to be people who that kind of price doesn't really matter, or they are people who have given it a lot a lot a lot of consideration and they know what they're getting for their money considering it doesn't have like ip water resistance for example um also i found out today that uh it comes pre-fitted with screen protectors on the inside display and the outside display Mm -hmm. you can peel the one on the outside on the cover display off yourself like you would on any other phone that's totally fine the one on the inside you could peel it off but technically it says i think in box like some you need a samsung certified representative to remove this screen protector it is just a screen Hmm. protector it's not part of the display like Like people were doing last year where they were just peeling bits of the display off but that's still a sketchy place to be um considering the early hands-ons from the u.s um people who who've already got their hands on the device have said that the screen protector does kind of ever so slightly kind of fog the display touch like it's not quite as clear as it should be or they were expecting um so yeah yeah, they're, they're clearly trying to cover themselves a little bit there. Oh, massively. Um, I think I think I get phones like this. I I used to complain a lot about flagship pricing and how no one should spend that kind of money on a phone. And I've kind of been won over to the argument that, look, it's fair enough. You've just got to recognize that they're a niche proposition, that most people shouldn't spend a grand plus on a phone. Mm. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have phones that cost a grand, a grand and a half, two grand. Because if you do have the money... Um, then why not? Why not be able to spend that bit more and have what's essentially a sort of luxury high-end device? Uh, there's no nothing wrong with having a market for that, as long as most people recognise that you're you're paying a lot extra for relatively little return. Yeah, I mean, I, for the most part, and especially in cases like the Note Ultra. Something which I didn't really see in the messaging for the previous fold was the word luxury, and I have explicitly seen it in marketing for this one. Yeah. Um, and also they've done a little bit more because they know it's it's not going to do big numbers in terms of unit sales. It just won't. Um, what you can do, though, is have it customized a little bit. So yeah. which I think is kind of cool. Um, the you know, you can get in, as I said, Mystic Black or Mystic Bronze, the kind of signature color for this year's Galaxy range, if you will, uh, at least for the second half of the year. Um, but you can also customize the spine color. You've got four colors to choose from. I think it's like metallic red, metallic blue, um, a gold and a silver. Um, and the example they use, which I think is the best combination, is the, you know, you get the mystic black with the gold spine. And that looks fairly nice. It's kind of, you know, bougie, but it's cool. I'm just waiting for them to do the inevitable BTS purple version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Of course. That's what I'm <laughs> I mean, BTS have already unboxed it. You can go on yeah. the Samsung YouTube channel and watch them unbox it if you're a fan. So there is that already. Yeah, if they don't do a BTS version, I don't know what they're doing. Like, I barely know who or what BTS are, oh, but same. all of the purple editions they've done of the recent Samsung gear have been so beautiful. That shade of purple they're using is incredible. And I, I really want pretending he's them. not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Whoever these guys are. <laughs> I don't know, don't know. Definitely don't listen to K pop ever. <laughs> but yeah, I I I would love to have this phone. I think Tolly, you wrote an opinion piece on the site that mm. I think is sums up kind of where I am, which is it's it's the a great phone, but it's come out at the wrong time. I think we're in basically a global recession and everyone's stressed about money and trying to make the case for this super high-end luxury slice of the market right now is 
challenging, and I almost feel bad that they finally got the phone, they got the hardware right this time, and I just wonder how many people are still going to be as interested in in it at that price. Um, but we will know for sure soon because it's out in like two weeks, right? Yes. I'm going to say yes. I don't remember the date right now, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like mid-September. I think it's the 18th of September, I yeah, want that to right. say. I wrote that in my piece, yes. Um, which is my sister's birthday, but I will not be buying her a two grand phone for her present. Sorry, what kind Jules. of brother are you? <laughs> what is this? She likes iPhone anyway. She wouldn't get on with it. All uh, right, well. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to get our hands on one of these to play with. We did manage to look at the Z Flip, so with a bit of luck, we'll get ourselves a Z Fold 2. Um, I know we will be fighting between us to see who gets to actually review it. Uh, I think Toddy's put in all, all the legwork, so you probably get first dibs. But you will be upset. <laughs> but yeah, I still I'm... haven't seen any of these folding phones. <laughs> Bad for you, Chris. I want to see how long we can keep this going, but Chris just never touches a folding device. <laughs> Foldables will be gone. It'll be the next thing. It'll be the transparent rollable phones, and then exactly. Chris will be like the man for those phones. <laughs> But yeah, they've they've got this right. I think the pricing is high, but it's fair for what it is. It feels more justified than it did last year. Mm. And it feels more justified, as you said, than for, for me, for either of the Ultra phones that they've done. Because you are getting something really unique here. Yeah. And it does look like they've finally nailed nailed the hardware. And I'm really excited to see where they go next time around. What, you know, what they improve on next year. I feel like next year is going to be a very small iteration. Maybe the year after we'll see a change. But I'm curious to see where where we go from here, how they improve on this form factor, because it, it feels like they're getting pretty close. I was left wondering, and maybe maybe something has another event up its sleeve to, to finish um, off the kind of release schedule for the year of, of big announcements, but I wrote a kind of rumor piece a while back about the Galaxy Fold Lite, mm. um, which is basically a parts bin fold based on leftover bits from the first gen phone. Um, and that makes more sense to me now in terms of if Samsung wants people to associate foldables with its brand, totally make a phone that is attainable. This is not the most attainable phone, the Z Fold 2. A Fold Lite, depending on, you know, if it was Note 20, Note 20 Ultra pricing, it's a bit more attainable. Hmm. So yeah. yeah, I guess they've got to work around the fact that they've got the Z Flip around that 13 1400 price as well Very true. so i guess there's that internal discussion of do you keep it above that price because it's a bigger you know keep the sense that the folds are worth more than the flips mm. or do you undercut it because it is a parts bin but yeah we haven't heard anything about that in a while so i'm curious if they've given up on it or if there's still something on the way and they're just yeah. <laughs> uh like you said trying to space the launches out or something um but yeah i think it's that's enough on that uh we need to head straight into this mess of EFA stuff because there's such a long list of things that have been announced. Uh, let's, let's stick with Samsung for stars. That's a nice like transition point. Is Samsung held an EFA press conference on uh, Wednesday? Tuesday? I don't know days anymore. Tuesday, Wednesday, that one. God, I've got no idea. Uh, Samsung held an EFA presser. Again, kind of EFA, not technically part of EFA, but it was called Life Unstoppable or something. Um the focus inevitably was on a lot of their smart home stuff. They talked about their TVs. They talked about fridges, um, projectors, stuff like that. Um, a lot of which was actually products we'd already seen before. Kind of things like the stuff they announced at CES in January now being announced for a European launch. Um, but they did drop these weird little teasers of new uh, kind of smaller products that they just kind of 
half announced. So we got the A42 5G, yeah. the Tab A7, yeah. I think it was, yeah. and the uh, Galaxy Fit 2 wearable. <laughs> Um, and all three of these got kind of like, they said they existed. They told us maybe two or three key pieces of information <laughs> and they just left it. Just nothing. No release date, no price. Uh, my favorite is the A42 5G, which they touted as the most affordable 5G Samsung Galaxy phone yet. Yeah. But they did not tell us what price that is. <laughs> no. If you go it could to be Samsung like one, one pound cheaper <laughs> yeah. than whatever the last one was. Yeah, the, the current cheapest phone that you can buy is the A51 5G. Um, right. This should be cheaper. Um, <laughs> I don't think it'll be as cheap as its predecessor was, which I think was in like the two to three hundred pound price point, mm. um, just because adding five G in there. But yeah, you anyone can go to Samsung press site and look at the assets available right now. All you'll find is is pictures, just press images, no release, no nothing, and yeah. and that's kind of weird. I don't know why they're doing it like this. It's it's frustrating for journalists to tell you that much. They, they oh, just love to make our jobs as <laughs> difficult as possible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we've got a kind of cheap, maybe 5G phone on the way. Uh, probably running a Snapdragon 6 series. There was a There's a 6 series 5G on the way, so I would guess that's what's driving this, and that will let them hit the three £400 price point. I was wondering I if we were going to see know. a new cheaper 5G-capable Exynos chip in it, but Again, it was just speculation. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They they often go Qualcomm on the yeah. cheaper phones, though. On the A series, often still just run Snapdragon globally. Uh, annoyingly, I wish yeah. they did that for the flagship stuff. <laughs> but we've talked about that already. I've, I've let it go. <laughs> I'm get, over it. Let's not tell. get into that again. Uh, so we got the Tab A7, which is budgety mid-range tablet. Again, we've got no idea how much it's going to cost. Um, Chris, I would completely tuned out of that bit. What what was the Tab A7? Uh, it's it's um, an affordable version of the Tab S7, really. It's same sort of um, tiers as the phones. Yeah. Um, so it's a 10.4-inch tablet. Um, big, bigger bezels than the S. Yeah, chunky bezels. Um, but it's got, like, quad quad speakers with Dolby mm-hmm. Atmos support. Um, basically, a, you know, iPad 10.2 rival. That, Should be um, pretty, yeah, Should be pretty solid. Yeah expensive as the as the s ones but i'm trying to figure out i mean it's it's hard when they haven't given us much information but how it sort of fits in with the 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 light the tab s6 light um yeah and whether we're going to get an s7 light at some point yeah uh, it's a bit confusing because they did yes yeah so it's fairly recent Yeah, they've done some confusing stuff with the tabs because (laughs) they did the tab s5e but the there was no proper Tab S5. There was oh, yeah. a Tab yeah. S4. And then they went to the Tab S6 Lite. Um, so they dropped the E thing. And yeah, it's all a bit confusing. It's it's all a bit a bit odd. Um, you said there's the same kind of then confusion in their product lines on the, the Galaxy Fit. So that's a fitness tracker. We had a Galaxy Fit and Fit E before. They've now announced a Fit 2, but no Fit 2E or Fit E2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, this basically sits... It, it's more of a fitness tracker than a smartwatch. It does have a display, but it's more meant to be a rival to the likes of the Fitbit Charge and Inspire or Xiaomi's Mi Band or something like that. Um, more of a band than a watch, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so it's just got a one-inch rectangular display. does some sort of basic fitness tracking, sleep tracking. Um, what's weird is they didn't really announce much about this one that wasn't the same on the previous-gen Fit. You know, they sort of hype the sleep tracking and all the fitness tracking options, but as best I could tell, they're the same as last year. 
they announced it will have 70 plus watch faces. Uh, so I guess that's more than last year's one. And they announced it will have a special groove design for less sweat. I feel like they are trying to find reasons to upgrade their existing product line without coming up with any yeah. good reasons. Sounds like too many watch faces. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we our problem with the first gen Galaxy Fit was basically that it just cost a bit too much for what it was. It was £80, $100, and it was fine. But when you look at sort of Xiaomi and Honor and Huawei putting out fundamentally the same product at about half that price, um, it's hard to justify the jump to Samsung unless you're really in that Samsung ecosystem space. My hope is that dropping the E means they're going to be bringing the Fit 2 down by 10 or $20 to make it a little bit more competitive in the market, maybe undercut the new Fitbit. There's a Inspired 2 got announced the other week, so they could slide in a bit underneath the Fitbit Inspired 2, and we'll see. I always sort of go into all the Samsung product announcements thing like oh, i think maybe they're going to drop the prices this time and uh, <laughs> i've been disappointed almost every time <laughs> so i'm probably being optimistic uh that was basically it oh except the wireless charger they did they did oh. an air power didn't they kind of kind of yeah it's very not... generous to call it an actual air power <laughs> it's a charging pad that will charge three things at once yeah not in the special fancy air power way where it doesn't care where you put it down and it'll charge it wherever it is it, i think it has just three spots where there are charging coils yeah. and and that third one has to be a smartwatch it's like a yeah. divoted thing basically for a galaxy watch 3 but yeah. to be fair i've always thought part of the problem with air power is it was too ambitious you don't need it to charge wherever you put the thing down just a, a single charger that charges multiple things is actually going to hit what most people want when they get told this charges three things at once they go cool you that's fine as long as you that, know what the three spots are you've seen that that xiaomi charging pad right that yes. can find your yeah but anyway, so within the space of the charging pad, and it will move the coil to find the device. It's the most ridiculous. That is a great example of why this is nonsense, because it's yeah. a big brick of a charging pad. You can put the phone down anywhere, and then it will, like, you can see the coil lights up underneath the surface, and it moves across. They actually just move the coil to where your product is, so they charge it. It's so cool. That's a brilliant idea. Great use of the tech, but it's completely over-engineered. It's totally unnecessary. It's way bigger than it needs to be. It's bulky. It's expensive. Like, And just for the minor convenience that you don't have to aim for a specific spot when you put your phone down. It's just a show off on YouTube or yeah. you know, when yeah. people come around. <laughs> but anyway, they've done that. There's a three-device charger, which you know I'm, yeah. I'm slowly accruing enough wireless charging things that I'm beginning to see the appeal for bigger wireless charging pads they could have come up with a better name it's called the wireless charger trio does it come in the bronze uh no black or white oh samsung what are you doing i know (laughs) also to your point they they didn't say anything about the charging speeds though oh Oh, so it could be five watts all over (laughs) it could be yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and no price or release date or anything like that um, to your point earlier about the uh, the what too many watch faces for the the Fit Two, um, mm. there is a product that even though Huawei didn't really announce anything yet, and they're saving all the other stuff, they have already actually launched in certain markets. I think China and the UAE a new wearable called the mm. Huawei the watch, fit. watch Fit. That's right, and that has I think over two hundred watch faces Jesus. with customizable widgets. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe it. It's ready. Waiting That's for just your choice your money. paralysis waiting to happen. I don't yeah. need that it's, in my it's, life. Yeah, it's <laughs> like opening an article that's too long and you're like, I don't have time to read that. Yeah. Just... <laughs> it just sounds stressful. Very. Um, exactly. 
But yeah, the what the watch fit looks uh, looks pretty interesting. It's mm. also kind of them just going for a slightly cheaper fitness band tracker thing. Apple Watch look alike. Yeah, it's, but it's their first. It's Huawei's first square display one, right? Mm, I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah, because even the very first Huawei watch was circular, and I love that that thing. It was thick and heavy as hell, but it looked really good. Right. Yeah. Um, this I think is actually. I don't think it's it's um, metal casing. I think it's actually a polymer casing, but with treatment that makes it look kind of metallic. Okay. Um, it's also super lightweight, so that would probably make sense. Um, and yeah, unlike an Apple Watch, it's a much kind of more squared uh, corners. Yeah, and it's a taller display, so it's actually rectangular. Okay, that's what looks a bit strange about it, I suppose, mm. just because you know we've had so many versions of the Apple Watch now that it, mm. you know, square looks normal. Yeah, and even though I still prefer round smartwatches, but this one's yeah because it is it's like smartphones getting taller aspect ratios. It looks really weird on a watch, and I can't imagine how that's going to sort of sit on your wrist. I actually mm. quite like the look of it, but I get what you mean that. I, when I first saw it, I thought it looked a bit odd in a way that was hard to put your finger mm. on, and it is just because of the aspect ratio. But I've actually grown to be kind of like, I, I like that slightly taller look. And I, I imagine it it's a bit more functional. Wrist, I think to know whether yeah, those totally. proportions work or not. Um, uh, the other thing Huawei actually will uh, has sort of half announced this week is the Freelace Pro, mm. which are a follow up to the Freelace, which were basically neck buds that they released, I think, last year. Um, and what's I thought, <laughs> I thought people oh, given up there on we go. Buds. Like, yeah it's still weird that people are making new neck buds yeah. I've got to be honest I guess yeah. what it is is they can undercut their own they can go cheaper than true wireless I think some people like them because you don't lose them um, you know if, if you know you're going to if you're worried you're going to drop half of your true wireless earbuds and then you've ruined your headphones I guess mm. neck buds save you from that fear um, I think it's that thing where um, there's less danger of them falling out and like, if you if you're wanting to sort of have them with you all day, yeah, but not use them the whole time, being able to just take them out, let them drop down, and they're still there. Like, yeah. I I've had this thing where, like, coming into London and stuff, I I take my wireless earbuds out when I'm just about to get off the train. And I'm like, oh, where's the case? Uh, I need to put these exactly. somewhere. And then they just end up going in a pocket, and and so I guess this means you can just take them out, drop them, and and you know they're going to be around your neck. There are some other perks as well. One of the big ones is battery. So this is that nice kind of product where you look at and you just say, oh, look, they've improved essentially everything from the first gen. So one of the big ones is battery. They were pretty good last time with 18 hours, but now they have a 24-hour battery life, Huawei says. Which this is 22 is... on the box. Well, they've <laughs> lied to me then. <laughs> still, um... <laughs> that's probably the best I've heard for most headphones, any headphones. Still, that's super good. I think it's part of the question good. may yeah. be whether that's with ANC or not, because these also, mm. they've added ANC in, which wasn't there last time. I like the um, way they charge. I think yeah, really cool. and, and they've kept this really cool charging thing, which yeah. is there's a USB... USB-C port built into the band so you like pull part of it open and then you can plug it straight into your uh, USB-C slot or into your phone to charge and also to pair so you just connect it into your phone and that pairs it and then you like reassemble the headphone which is very cool cool. and Uh, I suppose one of the issues is it sounds like uh, you could get longer battery life from some earbuds but you've got to put them in the case Exactly. You know, to, yeah. to mm. doing, a lot of them say, oh, 40 hours, but obviously you've got to top them up like three times. The thing I always that, so. yeah, the thing I always think about with that is is planes, which I appreciate right now less of a concern. 
But as someone who every now and then does, you know, transatlantic flights or sort of, you know, flights to Asia and stuff like that, if you know you've got to be covering like journey to the airport, the time in the airport, nine hours on a plane, airport time on the other end, journey to your hotel on the other end, something like that, earbuds that say, great, they'll last for seven hours and then you've got to put them back in the case. That means there's going to be big chunks of that journey where I know I don't have headphones that are functioning. Um, Whereas something like this, they're just 24 hours or 22 hours maybe. Um, that will see you through that whole stretch. And I appreciate that is not like, going to be something that comes up all the time for people. But I think, you know, if you do travel a lot normally, that will be an appeal that you can do it. Or, or if you work and your job, you, you have a job that means you can wear headphones all day while you're working or something. You want well, to actually cover the whole day. Fitness as well. Like I can imagine yeah. long distance runners, marathon runners, totally. like yeah. not having to worry about like take their AirPods Pros out halfway through their marathon and try and charge them whilst they're running. <laughs> That's yeah. a good use case too. So yeah, I totally see the value in in having this ridiculous battery life. And it also means you can like probably crank the volume if you really want to, which is always yeah. going to take a toll on battery and still not have any battery anxiety if it's got that good a battery life. And they've thrown in like, I think they're 14 millimeter drivers, Ooh. which for buds is pretty big. Yeah. yeah. So I, these should sound pretty decent. It should be able to go pretty loud. And, and they're also touting that that driver size is letting them do very good noise cancelling they basically showed a graph where they were showing like the noise cancelling curve and showing that it was better than the bose qc35s uh mm. which are over is i'm so skeptical <laughs> but i um it'll be really curious to see if they actually have you know they while they had had big a big talk about its noise cancelling performance in these things so i'm very curious to see how they actually deliver on that mm. i'll uh, let you know yeah uh so that is all, all we have for Huawei. There will be some more Huawei next week, uh, we we think. Um, they have a big developer conference event next Wednesday or Thursday, yeah. which is normally when they make some big announcements. So there'll probably be more Huawei stuff to come, and we already know we're going to get like the pricing of these products at that event, which is part of why we're sitting here thinking there must be some more they got up their sleeve. Um, Still more than LG. <laughs> yes, LG just turned up and talked about... <laughs> Um, there was a ThinQ app. I didn't even pay attention to what the ThinQ app does. <laughs> I have so little interest in a ThinQ app. Where's the LG Wing? I want to see the Wing. That's next week, oh. I think. They have they have confirmed a date for it. It's either next week or the week after. Oh, okay, okay. Or, or for a product that is definitely going to be the LG Wing. So it's we're... weird. There's loads of interesting things happening next week, like the Motorola Razr two. And yeah, we're also uh, expecting so, the Razr two. Yeah. Motorola have an event <laughs> next week, and everyone basically is like, "Wing, wing, nudge, nudge." It's probably the next Razr. Uh, I got so, so again, excited. I got a Motorola sent to me today, and I was like, "Oh, maybe they sent it to me early, like ahead of the event." <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was yeah, it was it was not the Razr two. That still is a mystery phone. It was a G nine play. Yeah, a bit <laughs> less exciting. Uh, okay, who has actually announced things? Oh, Qualcomm, we were talking about cheap 5G, and actually there's just a couple of interesting Qualcomm announcements. Obviously, they don't do products. They do, you know, the chipsets that drive stuff. Um, their big thing for E for this week was the next gen of their uh, Windows on Snapdragon, so the 8CX Gen 2, awfully named. Um, but basically, we will get more Windows on Snapdragon laptops, better performance. They're now touting it beats an Intel i5. I suspect they weren't comparing that to the new Tiger Lake Intel i5, which will then thrash them all over again. But still, they were maybe beating last gen's i5. Um, they're all going to have 5G as standard, integrated 5G, I think. So we're going to see more and more of these online laptops um, with 5G support. Though, in fact, Intel also has 5G laptops now, because I think Samsung announced the Book Flex 5G or something, which is using one of the new Intel chips, but is also 5G capable. 
don't so, know when you get like two or three from like big manufacturers using these Qualcomm chips and then nothing and then nothing happens. It's really weird. Well, they, I don't know. They just get kind of announced at the same time Qualcomm announces the chip. They mm. partner with a few companies. Three companies make one laptop each. They all come out a few months after the Qualcomm chip announcement and then there's nothing for another nine months until yep. the next Qualcomm chip announcement. Pretty much. <laughs> it hasn't taken off as a market segment at all. I, it's hard to know if it's the, the the pitch is bad, people don't care, always online and sort of super high battery life, or if it is people are savvy to the fact that it has software problems because you're trying to run things through ARM rather than x86, and it basically means there's compatibility issues with all sorts of stuff, and it's getting better, but it's still not there. This is the same thing Apple's going to run into when it starts doing its own chips for the Macs, obviously, and they're very bullish that they've solved the problem, but, you know... Yeah, it's a hard problem to solve, like reliably and emulating. It's going to be the demanding creative software that isn't like ARM uh, enabled by default, and that when you're trying to then like emulate the high, like the really demanding creative stuff, that's when you run into trouble. Um, so, uh, but the other Qualcomm thing was they just a little tease that they are working on a 5G four series Snapdragon. They're putting which, a Samsung though. They're like, yeah. here's the thing, we're not going to tell you anything about it, except <laughs> it's, it, it, it is real. That's it. And, and it's wild because they're saying the first like phones will be Q1 2021. So yeah. they're saying, we are working on this bit six months before you're going to see anything, which for them is a really long lead time to make an announcement. I would also say you don't have to tell us. We know you're going to make some more exactly. four series chips at some point. <laughs> like, that's your business. I honestly feel like they've told me that before. Like someone's been in a briefing and said, are you making 5G 4 series? Yeah, of course we are. We're working on it. Like, I, you know, and that's all they've said this time, except that I think, is it Oppo, Motorola, and someone else? Xiaomi, yeah. They've all, they've all yes. kind of onboarded in the press release and been like, hey, we're going to be there yeah. at day one or, or near to it with devices you can buy. Um, but, Qualcomm is, I mean, I know that MediaTek have the Dimensity line and that's kind of one of the good 5G options for making like affordable 5G, but Qualcomm's hmm. really been pushing or leading the charge on that front. Um, obviously, started with the 800 series, the 8 series with the 865 and 65 plus. Those both use a standalone modem. They're not integrated. That doesn't happen until you hit the actual kind of premium mid-range 765 and 765G, which is an integrated modem. The 690, which came out after that, these are all mm -hmm. good mid-range 5G. The 400 series should basically give you budget 5G phones. Like I'm yeah. thinking under 250 pound phones with 5G, which we don't really have yet. So that would be cool. I mean, that's going to be the game changer for driving mass market adoption, right? Yeah. More and right. more cheap ones so that even if you're buying, even if you don't have a lot to spend on a new phone, you can still get one that's 5G enabled. Even if you don't have a 5G plan yet, you'll just get the 5G ready phone and, and get the plan whenever it makes sense for you to get the 5G SIM. Because just uh, it will be at the point where there's no sense in not buying a 5G phone pretty soon. The thing I've Basically, noticed... indicates that we'll be, you know, uh, by the end of next year, you know, just all phones will be 5G. Yeah, pretty much. Everything new that comes out. I mean, we're, we're near 5G iPhone now, we think. Mm. That's maybe a month away. <laughs> I mean, the thing last year, I spent so much time writing about the rollout of 5G networks and the strengthening of 5G networks in more places and all this kind of stuff in the UK, at least. Uh, whereas this year, I'm sure the information is there, but I haven't been, like, fed this from, from the carriers or anything. It seems mm. to be that, like, this is really kind of the year that, it's just kind of ticking over and, and fleshing itself out. 
but there's not really anything major to shout about, which is probably why we're getting on these weird kind of like, we're working on more 5G stuff that's cheaper, yeah. but we don't have anything to give you now. So maybe every two years we'll have a leap in 5G tech, I guess. Like, um, yeah. It just does all the stuff that, you know, there's a lot of different bits of 5G tech and the way they've approached it. It's just, yeah, every year or two, we'll make bigger infrastructure leaps as different countries institute those specific bits of the tech and, and coverage gets better and easier to find and, and that kind of thing. So we'll get there, but more and more people using 5G is what's going to push the networks to invest more and more in it, I guess, which is is what we need. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else has happened this week? Uh, NVIDIA, the RTX That's pretty cool. 3000 series, the so 3070, 3080, and 3090. Uh, I know we don't really normally talk about PC components on here, so I'm not going to dwell on this for too long. But these are really cool. This is actually a really, this looks like a really important leap forwards. They are they are touting sort of more than 100% year-on-year performance improvements um, while still actually making the um, prices fairly friendly. The 3070, the cheapest of the lot, I think is £450, which is just, yeah, I, I mean, I know it's a lot of money, but that, that's the kind of thing that will make people think twice about next-gen consoles, which are obviously just on the way, because actually, suddenly, if you can get something that's going to... This is going to be a more powerful GPU than either the Xbox or the PS5 has in it, probably. Uh, and for the same price, basically. Well, it was the... With the 10 series cards from a couple of years ago, it was like the 1060 and 1070 that were really selling. Like, everyone, like, want, aspired to the 1080, obviously. Yeah. Um, the well, 20 yeah, I mean, series, that was what... Ray tracing was the big thing? Yeah, so the 20 series was the introduction of, of ray tracing. Um, but not enough games and, warranted buying a 2080. And and this is basically the other big change for them now, is actually NVIDIA is both kind of slightly embarrassing the next-gen consoles, in a sense, but also it's benefiting from them hugely because Microsoft and Sony are both committed to ray tracing in, the, in both their consoles. So essentially from now on, there's going to be ray tracing in, in every big-budget game, right? Um, not everything indie will support it, obviously, but almost anything AAA now will have ray tracing, which hasn't, even though ray tracing has been around for a year or two, that just hasn't been the case mm. um, so far. But that's that's going to be where we go now, that everything is ray traced. And so suddenly it just makes sense to buy one of these cards. And if not buy these one, buy a 2080 or a 2070 now that they've dropped in price, because, you know, there's That makes more sense to me. Yeah, I'm definitely now looking at, you know, I, I, I upgraded my gaming PC last year and i made a point of not putting in an rtx card i went for a kind of cheap ati one but it was purely just on the thinking of i know that in a year rtx cards are going to drop so much in price that then i'll just wait for that and uh and grab one also my flatmate has a 2080 ti and i know he's eyeing up the new one so i'm really just hoping he's going to upgrade <laughs> and i can just nab that 2080 ti and nice. slot it in <laughs> you've made him enough nice meals <laughs> yeah it's just uh, you know services rendered or something yeah. i get a graphics card you so why why is there a ninety and not a sixty? They've moved all the numbers up. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, that. yeah, it's just marketing, isn't it's it? It more. makes it seem more exciting. It lets them justify the fact that the ninety is a grand, um, mm. which is so much, <laughs> such a comically huge amount of money to pay for one component in your computer. It's a weird aspect. I know some people don't care about this at all, and I'm not. I haven't built a PC for a long, long time. But I would say, like the 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 design of the cards, the physical cards. I really actually really like. I like this kind yeah. of like crisscross kind of effect they've got going on. It looks really cool. They look beautiful. The only sad thing is that, you know, that's actually the ones that they make themselves. 
exactly. 99% of the cards on the market will be third party and will still look like pieces of crap gamer aesthetic stuff. Um, so it will be so hard to actually buy the NVIDIA ones that look really, really slick because MSI and mm. Asus and other people are going to go in and, and uh, you know, slap a load of RGBs on the top. But, you know, obviously lots of people love that look, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, game shame too much. Game shame. <laughs> so we had Samsung, we had Huawei, we had NVIDIA. Who have we missed so far? TCL. TCL, TCL. has some stuff today. Oh, yeah. TCL has some stuff. I should, I should remember that one. I wrote about it. Um, they, they had a weird show. Like, it's an odd set of products. It was, it was mainly actually more than just talking about the, their display tech prowess. That mm-hmm. was the majority of their, their keynote. Um, and then they showed off a few things. Uh, a couple of products you can buy. A bunch of products that are kind of more just conceptual tech demos that mm-hmm. will be in products next year, basically. They've confirmed, um, They I had an interview with them beforehand, they were like, we will have a foldable on sale in 2021, which is cool. Okay. Um, they just actually showed off the same kind of foldable and rollable stuff we'd seen before at the show this year. So that wasn't particularly exciting. Um, and they showed off this thing called the Next Paper, NXT, which is basically a color ink display um, which is more legible than a regular e-ink display. I didn't realize it was color. I yeah, just... that's kind of the thing. Right. So you, the only thing I thought that it reminded me of was, do you remember when Qualcomm made a concept wearable with a Mirasol display? M-I-R-A-S-O-L? Anyone mm-hmm. remember that? No. Yeah, it was It was like the only kind of color e-ink-esque smartwatch right. I'd ever seen. And it made a lot of sense because it was, you know, great sunlight legibility yeah. without the need for a backlight. This is a similar kind of vibe. Um, they think it's great because it is, you know, super power efficient. It's thinner than LCD tech. Um, no blue light emissions. They're calling it like the the, uh, the first display that offers zero eye strain, which I kind of get. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, it's not really meant for a consumer like product. It's not like a tablet you buy in like PC World or, or Best Buy or whatever. It's um, more, they're seeing it more as an educational tool or they'll sense. see it in educational yeah. products, which I, I totally see the value of. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that tech actually makes its way to market in whatever avenue they decide to take with it. Yeah. Um, they did launch two Android tablets. You know, the last EFA they launched their first own brand Android smartphones, the mm-hmm. TCL 10 series. Um, and now they have two tablets to go along with those, which are pretty affordable tablets. Um, the nice thing, I think, is that they have Wi-Fi 6, which is cool. So they are kind of future-proof on the Wi-Fi front, nice and fast mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, which is great. Um, you can also get them with 4G. Uh, the names are a bit iffy, I'd say. The TCL 10 Tab Max, that's all one word, Tab Max, and Tab Mid, all one tab word. Tab Mid? Yeah, not not mini, not light, just Tab Mid. 10-inch uh, mm. tab and an 8-inch tab. Uh, the big one comes with a pen, um, stereo speakers, fingerprint sensor. The small one, I, it, I presume both of them do this, but they only mention it with the small one. You can charge other devices from it. It's got on-the-go charging, which is cool. Nice. Um yeah, so there's like some nice stuff in there. It's nothing to turn our heads with, but the budget tablet market, the affordable end of the tablet market, doesn't have a lot of players. Um, I guess obviously the new Samsung tablet is now going to be in there somewhere. Yeah. Once we know the price. Um, but yeah, these actually seem like not bad Android offerings if you're looking for a cheap tablet that isn't a uh, Fire tablet from Amazon. I was about to say that's basically the only player at the real yeah. cheap end, other yeah. than sort of various sort of Chinese companies that are still putting them out, but often brands you haven't heard of or yeah, um, or Lenovo, but they just don't, mm. you know, they don't they don't push those. They're sort no. of at retailers, but you don't hear. They just about exist. Them. Like if you go yeah. on the website, yeah. oh, they have tablets. They're just I didn't there. Know they did tablets. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird. 
Um, yeah. They also, I'm, I, I've purposely not looked anything about this up because I'm really curious and I want to hear you explain it to me. They've made a watch for old people. Yeah, yeah. What so, does that mean? What is a watch for old people? In, in, I, I've done cursory research. I didn't cover this one, but um, they've already made, um, for instance, in the UK, Vodafone have a bunch of products. You can buy like a smartwatch for kids. Yeah. Uh, which is basically a watch that allows parents to keep tabs on their small children. And I think it has like basic cool functionality. What I'm gauging from this is that they've taken most of those innards and slapped it into a watch for old people. It looks basically like an Apple watch. It's it's not really particularly mm-hmm. exciting in its design. It's very functional. Even the name is very bland. It's like the live watch, uh, move watch MT301A or something really catchy. <sighs> Um, but yeah, it's got full detection. It's got an SOS button on the side. Uh, the idea being that, you know, if you give it to your elderly, you know, parent, mm-hmm. um, and they take a fall, it'll notify you or the emergency services, stuff that we've actually seen from devices like the Apple watch. Um, yeah. but in obviously a more affordable package, I think it's around the like hundred euro mark or somewhere, 150 euros. Oh, so fine. It's, it's yeah. Way uh, cheaper. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I'm sure there is a market for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that it got screen time in uh, on on the in the TCL keynote. Yeah, I think that's what I find funny about it. I, it makes sense that this stuff exists, and I totally see the space for it. It's a funny thing to sort of not headline their show with, but yeah, like make the time for in a in a kind of when you don't get a lot of time. Yeah, and they also showed off a thing called uh, Project Archer 3.0. Mm-hmm. Which is basically, if you remember Vuzix, the company that made those like glasses that give you like a virtual like big screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're glasses that cover your eyes completely. It's basically one of those from what I could gauge. And they had nothing to really say about it except we have a non-working prototype here <laughs> that gives you a hundred inch screen. Cool. So yeah, that's, this, just... that's never going to come out. No, no yeah. No or way. if it does, it'll be silly money and no one will buy it. But <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe I'm wrong, TCL. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, I, I think we've almost run out of you for things to talk about. I have one last thing, which is um, Asus's laptop line, which I don't want to dwell on uh, for too long because mostly what they've done is refresh their products with the new Intel Tiger Lake CPUs and thrown in Thunderbolt 4 support as well, which is cool. So I think these are the first laptops with Thunderbolt 4. Um, I'm not aware of any that have already had it, but I might be getting muddled up. But the I thing right. I wanted to highlight is the... ZenBook S and the ZenBook Flip S, where Asus has made a decision that I really, really, really hope is not a harbinger of change to come. There is no headphone jack on either of these. What? Yeah. There's USB-C, there's USB-A, there's the Thunderbolt 4 in the USB-Cs. I think they even have HDMI or something. They have some other port. One of them has a micro SD card slot, but there is no headphone jack. Uh, does it and come I'm... with headphones? Like, that would be the only reason. If it came with USB-C headphones, I guess that's kind of better. I mean, I can see that, obviously, a lot of us have gotten used to phones without headphone jacks, wired headphones, you maybe use less. But actually, the laptop is the one space where I still might use my wired headphones. Also, look at the headphones you guys are wearing right now. You don't yeah, wear exactly. those with your phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's just what the, the headphones I use with my computer are not always going to be the same ones I'm using with my phone. And I will do often want a headphone jack. And I just was writing these laptops up and thinking these are really slick in all sorts of ways. They're premium. They're like 16, 17, 1800 pound kind of devices. Really lovely design, great port selection, very powerful. But I, that is just going to be a deal breaker for so many people. Oh, 
I figured it out. You know what it is? Courage. <laughs> <laughs> it is courage. Was it that Phil courage. Schiller who said that? I can't remember now which Apple guy said that, but oh man. Torturous. But yeah, I think it's what's the reason? Like if yeah, it's got do they say if why? it's got USB A, then you've clearly got space for like I don't know. no laptop design doesn't have space for a headphone jack really. So someone asked like, in the briefing and they basically said that they did a user survey and of the ports people cared about the headphone jack was pretty low on the list. So lower than a micro SD felt... card? I yeah, but just get rid of it just because Yeah, it's oh I mean I get on phones phones are small. Headphone jacks are actually one of the bigger ports you might try and fit into a phone because you're not going to fit USB-A on there. So, like, it's hard to find the space. But, like, so if you can fit your multiple USB-A ports, like, you can definitely fit a headphone jack. By laptop standards, they are not big. It's... I, I can only assume, actually, it's something about the arrangement of the innards, about how they get the connectors up together or something like that. But it's it's so weird. That feels like a fluffy answer if that is what they go with. I'm I'm just very worried this is going to be a trend now because I've accepted it with phones. I think it makes sense. And I, wireless headphones are so good now that it just makes sense. Like, I wouldn't use wired headphones with my phone, though I know other people out there still do. But I just feel like laptops are a bit different. I'm not ready to give up my headphone jack. I can't imagine the arrangement of that motherboard and battery and you know everything is that dramatically different. That it's like, oh, we need to get rid of the headphone jack. Like, we all know and it's not like that's going to cost nowadays. them much anyway. Yeah. No. Laptops nowadays are like a circuit board and then three tons of battery. That's just how they're made. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be space for a headphone jack in there somewhere. There's got to be. Uh, that so is yeah, weird. it's it's a weird choice. I should clarify: the other laptops they announced come with headphone jacks. The new ZenBook 14 stuff like that. They are normal laptops. You can listen to them and everything. But the ZenBook S and the ZenBook Flip S um, do not have headphone jacks, and I just. It's fine. One star. I just, I do not want, and I really don't want other companies looking at this and saying, "Oh, great, no one needs headphone jacks anymore." It's the one weird time I'm sort of praying Asus like isn't influential enough in the market for for people to catch on to the other to what they're doing. I mean, are the next MacBooks? If if the next MacBooks drop it, they oh, that will be the catalyst. We know that's it, will. it. That's the moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Hope not. <laughs> All right, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's some EFA nonsense we haven't touched on. Acer had some laptops. There's there's, there's got to be something else out there. Bowser Wilkins announced a speaker. I don't know. Someone someone threw headphones out into the market, I'm sure of it. There's a pair of cheap two wireless buds we haven't spoken about. But uh, that is going to have to do us for this week. So thank you, everyone, for tuning through this like absolutely chaotic, disorganized ramble through through a week of tech announcements. Uh, we will be back next week where hopefully things will be a little bit more structured. We've got uh, the last EFA announcements tomorrow, Honor and Realme, so we'll have them to talk about. We should have the Huawei Developer Conference, whatever comes out of that, and the Motorola event. Hopefully the Razer 2020 or Razer 2 or whatever it's going to be called. I don't think we know that for sure, but I think that's what we're expecting. So I we will hopefully have yet another foldable to talk about, which will be fun. Uh, yeah, so thank you, everyone. Uh, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.